What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. What's up, everybody? This is Michael Farrell. Welcome to another edition of Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. It's a little different today. This is called How's the Market Edition? And Hopefully, this is the first podcast of many more to come. And today, we have a very special guest with me. We have Mark Pruner, who recently just joined us at Compass. Mark has over 25 years of real estate experience, both in sales and as an attorney. Mark specializes in the Greenwich, Connecticut market and has for years put out one of, if not the single most comprehensive real estate analysis blogs called Greenwich Streets. You can find this blog at GreenwichStreets.com, and I encourage you to do so. And it ranks number one on any search engine that you're going to go to. If you go to Google and just want to look at the Greenwich real estate market, boom, it's going to pop up number one. And uh, he's an absolute expert at the Greenwich real estate market. We're so happy to have him uh, with us today to talk about the Greenwich real estate market and many more to come after this. We're going to try to put out these episodes every single month to recap the market and what's happening. happening. But Mark, thank you so much for being on. How are you doing today? Mike, I'm terrific. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Pumped to do this with you. And uh, let's kind of go over what we're going to talk to everybody about. Um, We felt there was definitely a need to get all the great content that you put out on your blog into this podcast form for more people to see it, more people to hear it. And uh, we're going to have a lot for them today. Today, we're going to look at, and of course, we'll put on to the bottom of any YouTube that we put out there, timestamps. So if you want to click ahead, and listen or watch a specific part of this podcast that's specifically related to something you're interested in, boom, you'll have that opportunity. So the first thing we're going to talk about is just do a a market overview. Then we'll get into, uh, we'll look at the sales in the third quarter and first nine months of the year. Then we'll get into the sales, uh, the ups and downs uh, so far in 2021. Uh, We'll get into contracts and inventory. We'll talk about hot price ranges. We'll talk about 2021 versus 2020 versus 2019, and then we'll finish off with listings. Where did they all go? So we have a lot to cover today, Mark. Are you up to the challenge? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I always like to talk numbers and stats and what the market's really doing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's let's get right into it, Mark. I mean, so how is the market? The number one question that uh, me and I'm sure you get from everybody. How is the market? Uh, the market is great. Though we're at an inflection point, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But yeah, we we had 832 sales uh, as of the end of September. That is more than we've had for a full year in any but two of the last 22 years. Wow. One of those years being uh, 2020. Uh, what was amazing is in 2020, it was really the last five months but uh, that we saw sales above our 10-year average. But so far, every month in uh, 2021 has been above average. Um, The sales are up 44% over 2020. Our inventory, though, has been dropping. So the first three quarters were awesome. The fourth quarter is going to be interesting unless we can get some more uh, inventory. Obviously, COVID drove a lot of folks from um, New York City. But what we're really seeing driving the market now is what I call woof, working occasionally or often from home. 
because what's happened is people's commuting time has dropped by 60 to 100%. Um, previously, if you went in one day, um, or if you went in and had an hour and a half commute twice a day, three hours, 15 hours a week, you're now doing it once or twice a week, and you're only uh, commuting three to six hours a week, and that's for a long commute. The other thing that we're seeing is a big increase in our over $5 million sales. Yep. Those have increased 90, over 90% uh, in the last year, and they're up 256% in the last two years. So there's um, COVID has really pushed people to look at what we call the mini country clubs. Yep. They want lots of land. They want a uh, they want an outdoor pool. Uh, many of them want uh, tennis courts, and so they'd love to go to a place where they can just spend the whole weekend or the or the week um, when they're working remotely. Uh, and our rental market is is doing even hotter than that. And what's not reflected in all these numbers is a lot of off-market sales. Mm. And it's really tough to find data for that. But I certainly, you know, I've got a couple of off-market things that are generating interest. And I know lots of other people who have closed uh, sales. Um, and, he, and particularly at the high end, because the buyers are out there. Yep. Um, and that's what's really driving the market. Yeah, I see a lot of the same thing. Um, I get a lot of people who hey, look. I can't find anything on the market that I like right now because the inventory's so low. And give me something really cool. Give me X, Y, and Z thing. Well, a lot of it's not on the market, so you start looking at off market. And um, those people tend to usually have you know want the privacy, but tend to have a number in mind that they want to hit, and if they can hit it, uh, great. So yeah, there is a, it's extremely um, popular right now to look at off market stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you you send out an announcement um, at Compass um, that you've got uh, these people that are interested in selling, you got a very good chance that two or three people uh, are uh, going to be contacting you saying, "Look, I got clients in that price range can't find what they want. Yeah. Tell me about what you got." Yeah, absolutely. But you call it shadow. Um, you call it shadow inventory. Um, I, I call it, you know, pocket listings or off-market deals. Yeah, no, when I, when I say shadow inventory, what we had post-recession were a lot of people who, in the natural life cycle, people downsize and they move to condos or they're Florida or both. And that paused for about eight years. So we got this big buildup of people who were looking to move um but didn't like where the prices were right and and waited yeah and now and in in 2020 we got this huge influx of listings luckily right uh, because we needed them because we had the buyers and that's really what has driven a lot of the last half of um 2020 and the first quarter of 2021 right exactly so when people say hey listen it was slow last month it was really slow, and I think the market's starting to shift. What do you say to those people? Um, you know, it's uh, it depends on what you want to use for your base. We had an all-time record for sales in July with 143 sales. Yep. Yeah, we're down from an all-time record. Yep. Um, July um, or August was only... Um, I believe 
above our above our normal 10-year average. It was significantly below what we had in um, in July. But that's part of the seasonal nature of the market. But it's also part of the um, just the overall market. Uh, and we are seeing some drawback, I think, and we can get into some details about that later because there's a variety of factors, some pushing greater sales, some pushing people to back away. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the optics for people is, you know, this is what I think they see if they're not studying the market and looking, they're saying, oh, there's some houses that have been sitting. Oh, there's some price reductions going on. Oh, that must mean that there's uh, the market starting to slow a little bit. What do you what do you what's your opinion and take on that? Well, like, you know, a couple of things. One of the one of the things is a lot of people traditionally do year over year comparisons and Normally, that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to do it. Our problem is that um, September last year was the uh, up until um, this July was the all time high for sales. So if you're doing year over year comparisons, we're down from last year. Right. But that doesn't mean the market is is slower or isn't hot. Right. Um, the. Uh, pretty much at all price ranges, we have very active buyers. So yeah, I mean, you could the market went from uh, in uh, and went from very hot last year to incendiary in uh, April and May to just hot now. I mean, right. if anybody had told us that people would think that the market we have now. Uh, is a slowdown, and it said that in 2019, yeah. they'd say you were crazy. Exactly. But yeah, it is it is slowing down. The other thing that there's that they're seeing when they look on the market is that the stuff that's there is the stuff that is overpriced or has particular problems. Correct. All of the good stuff cycled on and off. I had a I had a listing that was on the market for three days. Um, and you know, unless you happen to be looking in those three days, you never saw that listing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, of, of going on and off quickly. And what you are seeing left on the market is the stuff that does have an issue with selling. Yeah. yeah. Good product price correctly will sell. There's not a question of if there's a buyer out for that. And it doesn't matter really what price points to, you could be two to five, five to 10 and 10 to 15, 50, it doesn't really matter if you have a good product. Price correctly, there is a buyer out. We have more than enough buyers, and we don't have the inventory at the at, still currently at this time. One hundred percent. Yeah, um, exactly right. So, uh, looking at sales third quarter and last nine months of the year, did we talk about that? Um, we we touched briefly on it. The you know basically what happened was twenty twenty, as we mentioned, was a five was a five month market. We had a fairly average market um, up until July, right? And then sales took off right. in um, in August, um, stayed high in September, and then flattened out, but at an extraordinarily high level for um, uh, October, November, and December. First quarter of twenty twenty one. Uh, was the best first quarter ever. It also was at a, a substantially higher level because really you didn't see any COVID effects in the first quarter of, of 2020. 
you definitely saw that in the first quarter of 2021. Yeah. And then the second quarter just took off. Once again, in 2020, it was the last five months. So uh, April, May, and June were not great sales months. They were, they were good sales months. They were average uh, in Greenwich in 2020, but they were astounding. As I said, that was the incendiary period, the frenzy, as I call it, hmm. where stuff was going on and off like crazy. And then um, we, and that's you, what you want to look at when you're checking to see what the market is like is contracts, not sales. And so when I'm talking about this stuff, when you look, it's the contracts that really okay. uh, took off. And we had just a smidgen more sales. We had 319 sales in the third quarter versus I think 311 sales in the second quarter. Well, 311 sales is an incredible number right? because that's April and May is when sales normally start peaking. So, yeah, we it resulted in so far this year in a huge number of sales way above anything we've seen in any prior year. So a normal year in the Greenwich market and, you know, from 2013 up to, let's say, 2019, it's slowly been getting better as a market, although inventory was still high. What would you say a normal amount of sales for that time period? You said it's, it's in the 300s now, or 300s, but what would the typical year pre-COVID look like? So kind of the dividing line in Greenwich for a good sales year is 600 sales. Um, and for much of the period from 2012 to 2019, we were we were below that. We did have we did have one uh, good year in 2014, uh, where we were substantially over over 600 sales, but you know it kind of burbled along. Yeah. Um, what we really saw was a downturn in interest in backcountry Greenwich, where I live, which is the four acre zone, yeah. and midcountry just south of the Merritt Parkway, which is the two acre zone. Yep. People didn't want really big houses they really didn't want a lot of land and that was the opposite of what had happened ever since the railroads had come in in 1880 and greenwich became a place for a lot of well-to-do people to um, build uh, weekend houses summer houses and year-round houses right that's it i mean that was the shift right when everybody went from i don't want to be back here all by myself 20 minutes to get to the center of town to well south parkway seems like golden triangle mid-country. It sounds, it seems like this is a great place for me, commuter friendly, and I can get to everywhere I want. And then the trends changed. You know, I, I, Yeah. And it's funny, the Golden Triangle actually moved south. Yeah. It was an area just below the Merritt. Yeah. Um, and then, so, you know, I looked at the sales price, the list price ratio and the days on market. Um, and it moved down to basically the one acre move from the two acre zone, which was the top half of mid country to the one acre zone. Yep. Um, and that's where you saw a bunch of high, high sales, Deer Park and um, uh, Rock Rimmon both yep. had, both had big sales. Absolutely. All right. So sales, the ups and downs in 2021. Yeah. So if you, if you look, if you look at a graph of our sales, they're pretty much like a sine wave. They peak in June. July is a good month. August drops off. And then September, October, November continue a downslide with a pop-up in December for year-end deals 
and a little pop-up in January over February um, for year-beginning deals. But yeah, the period from October to the end of February is a slow period. Mm. And, uh, and what happened in, as I said, in 2021 was our sales through July were pretty average. In fact, they were even a little below. Part of that was the lockdown. Luckily here in Connecticut, we didn't have we were, real estate was deemed an essential industry, so we were showing houses. Right. Whereas in New York City, you know, people weren't going up and down elevators mm. looking at looking at units and things like that. Um, and our sales um, were above average in July. Took off in August. September was the all-time record month, and then October, November, and December um, stayed high, uh, though a little lower. Then comes this year. And Looking we started good. out high um, in January. February was about the was about the same. March and April took off. For some reason, May was the same as April. And then there was this huge jump up. Look in at June. June and July. I literally oh. had to rescale the chart. Yeah. Um, and then August, um, as I said, broke the record that we had seen in September of 2020 by a lot. Um, and then um, we started to see the issue where we're ha we're having a problem um, with uh, with list when new listings coming mm, on. Right. So we and some of it was seasonal shift. So um, August dropped and September dropped. Now both of those numbers are still way above our ten-year average for sales. Mm. So you can, you know, it, once again, as I mentioned, it's the base. If you want to say, if you want to take um, July and um, talk about that as a base. In fact, I wrote an article on GreenwichStreets.com, and I think sales were up 63%, 41%, yeah. down 15%, and down 19%. Right. It all depends on what, what base you pick exactly. and whether yeah. you're looking at one month, a quarter, or the entire year. Yeah. I mean, if you had to predict this out, I mean, it looks like we're going to pretty much, it looked like the rest of 2020 where we're going to have a lower inventory. It's dropped down now. We'll probably plateau out here a little bit. I mean, nobody knows for sure, but you would think uh, we'll, we'll probably plateau. What do you think, what do you think you're going to give the reformatting the graph here, this massive boom in June and July? What do you give that to? What do you, what, what do you give the answer the reason that happened? That, that's what I call woof. That's working occasionally or often from home because after the after the vaccines kicked in, right. our market, you know, our average buyer is forty to seventy. Uh, we get young families, mid thirties, uh, mid forties. Um, then we get get successful couples who want to upsize, and then we get downsizers um, above above that. Um, but our market, most of those people were vaccinated by the end of April. And I think part of that was they now felt like they could go out and actively look now that they were doubly vaccinated. Right. Remember originally, you know, vaccines were, you know, a, uh, a force field that nothing could get past. We didn't have any of the breakthrough cases. At that right. Point. Right. And so everybody that time, went out. everybody's like, let's do it. Let's go look. Yeah. So everybody went out and looked in uh, in April and May and you saw those contracts close in um, in June and July. 
Um, and so what we saw was a whole series of people upsizing. One of the things, because as I said, I think our shadow inventory got wiped out in the last five months of 2020 in the first quarter. Right. Most of the people who had thought about moving for the previous 10 years um, listed their house. Right. I, but then what happened was Wolf kicked in and the people who, you know, we had people who hadn't, were in their bedrooms practically 24 seven. Um, they would get up, they would walk across the, uh, the room, sit down at their desk, work all day, maybe go downstairs to, um, to dinner yeah. and then yeah. go to sleep and wake up and do the same thing. And that gets old really fast. So a lot of people with 3000 square foot houses, bought 5,000 square foot houses. And a lot of people in Greenwich with 5,000 square foot houses bought 8,000 square foot mm. houses. Right. They got to have more. Room I, think to that, go I, think, I think that's the big jump up that we're seeing in June and July. Yeah. It's so, it's so psychological. It's, it's so psychological. If you really break down the living conditions of somebody and if a, if a market's going to be impacted also, then you look at the trends and the financials of what's happening and do people have money? Is it, is a consumer in a positive state? Yeah. Does, you know, they feel good about it. Yeah. That's, it's pretty, it's pretty predictable if you start looking at it from that side. Um, yeah. And, and over 3 million people want what they want. They have the money to make their lives uh, better. And when living at their present house becomes miserable, they, they change it. Sure. Absolutely. So contracts and inventory. Yeah. So um, the, uh, our contracts peaked, uh, peaked in May, um, as I said. And um, when you, and May was actually a very interesting month because for most of the year, up until the first week in May, our transactions, I keep a, a weekly total of, of sales and contracts to, because that to me, it kind of tells you how busy the market is. Yep. That trended up all the way to the first week in May, which was a stellar week for, uh, for contracts and sales. That's why we got such a big jump in June and July. Wow. And then it dropped off a cliff. Yeah. Come the end of May, I was panicking that, you know, our market was over. And then it, it moved back up and stabilized for, uh, for quite a while. Um, what do you the, think? What do you one think? issue that we're seeing is contracts have dropped steadily. Hmm. Uh, and we're down, down to 101 contracts as of last Friday from, um, you know, a peak of, you know, 260 a month, uh, a week. Well, if you think about it and you have all of these purchases, all of these contracts, all these people buying kind of at one time, um, you have a massive amount of inventory that leaves the market, which yeah. if you can't put market inventory back on as fast as it's leaving, of course, you're going to see this big drop that, you know, people are going to, we're going to put this graph up so people can see it. And I think that, look, look what happens. It replenishes itself. It keeps getting purchased. And the same thing goes on. I, I, I do not believe that the buyers are less eager to buy. I just think that buyers are kind of saying, well, what, what is possibly out there? And it's like we talked about, if a property is sitting for a long time, either it is grossly overpriced or it is a product that has some issues here. And that's probably what we're looking at. Because as of right now, Mark, I mean, if we're talking about going into early October, we're sitting at the lowest point, pretty much close to it of the entire year. 
Yeah, and you know, and that, and when, and that's seasonal, and you see that every year, in that um, you get all these contracts signed in the second quarter, they close in the third quarter, and those, and that, and you see, you see that drop. Then the fall market comes along. Yep. Um, in a uh, couple of years ago, yeah. we had thirty-seven net listings for the month of September. This month, um, for the month of September, uh, we had a net increase of two. Um, just, just two. And that, yeah, it and that did, that's and now a lot of that was because September was a busy month and we had stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, but you know everybody focuses on on inventory, but in this market. I think it's more important to look at uh, listings because what happens is inventory is you've got new listings coming on, contracts going off, and inventory is that line between the as they net out. Right. Um, so earlier this year, we didn't have much more inventory, but we had a huge number of sales because the listings were coming on. This then we then we dropped basically from July to the end of August got a little pop up i mean like seven like seven listings but we're still at we're still at close to our lowest level of uh single family home inventory um and that's why i think we're going to have a problem i was you know in at the end of the first half there was a really good chance that we were going to hit uh a thousand sales for the year and our previous record was last year at 832. Um, but it looks, unless we get more inventory coming on, um, we've got 830 plus 101 listings. So that's 933 sales. We might still make it, but it, it's, uh, we're not gonna go over it a lot. Um, and the listings are have become a real concern because the buyers are there we just don't have the stuff to show them, and I and I will agree to some extent. The buyers have gotten a little more picky. Uh, things are stabilizing. They don't quite feel the uh, urgency to buy immediately. Some of them, I just I literally this morning I had a client who um, is um, they're thinking about um, changing jobs, which is another thing we're seeing is people coming into the area because basically for the last two years, 18 months, um, transfers have been have been frozen by companies. And now we're regularly getting calls from people from California and the UK who are being transferred into the area. Yep. And it's interesting, I mean, again, we're in the business, so we can, we can almost, this graph is excellent because you could almost see the trends of specific buyers. April, May, June, July buyers, uh, family buyers need to get the kids in school, totally different kind of want and need. You have different timeframes of the year where the buyers, uh, the buyers change and the preferences change. And I think we're seeing a lot of buyers right now too that have, I, I like to move. I don't have to move. Uh, I have the means to be able to find this thing. Uh, I can't find it. So either, you know, I'm in the range of within a $10 million spread, either from a new construction that's going to take nine months to a year to build all the way to something I can renovate all the way to something, but I got to have it in this location and it's got to be facing West and I have to have, so it, you know, it, right. it's, it's, it's totally, it's an interesting time frame. 
because a lot of this right now I'm seeing is is not a lot of the family stuff. This is a lot of the I don't have to do it. I yeah. like to do it. Seasonal relocations, job change, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean now that now the schools are open and they're in classroom uh, schools, um, you're seeing you know people. It was funny. There's actually a group of mothers who um, rotate carpooling their kids into Horace Mann in New York City. Hmm. Um, but there's a significant number of Horace Mann students who live in Greenwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that we're seeing um, that we that we haven't talked about is is new construction and new development. We've got a lot of people doing custom houses, but it's a small fraction of what we're actually seeing in the way of of sales. Um, what's interesting is the spec builders, you would think they would be going crazy. You know, we've got all this demand and all these people uh, who are looking for houses and particularly the millennial buyers really want new or are nearly new. Yep. They um, are having a big problem because, and actually I just did two land deals and there was tremendous pressure on the price. It's actually being pushed down because you've got a third for your land, a third for the cost of construction, and they try to get a third for profit. Mm-hmm. But what's happened is the construction costs have expanded, yep. squeezing their profits and also squeezing the amount that they're willing to pay for land. So even despite the fact it's a hot market, the developer market uh, is probably not as busy. I mean, you get a, you get a good property at a good price. In fact, we're going, my brother and I are going to price one on Wednesday. We're thinking it's going to move quickly, yeah. but I had two beautiful eight acre lots in backcountry, and those were tough sales. Yeah. Over the years, if you were a spec builder, you switched over to custom because there was not a lot of spec going on in Greenwich. So you became a custom builder. So now you have all these people that are not necessarily, a, didn't necessarily have hopes and dreams of building a house. That wasn't the goal. They just now are in this world that now they ha- they can move. And so they're looking for what they want. And so when they realize that this is what it costs for this, this is the over, you know, this is, this is the land, this is the build price, this is what you're talking about, the profit over the top. And then these builders are looking at it like, you know, it, it's going to cost me X, Y, and Z to finish this thing out. And this is the amount of time it's going to take. There's a lot of conversations that are happening that don't ever really accumulate to anything. So the spec guys are so slammed still with people who are trying to finish in custom work. They're look, trying to, you know, where am I going to find time or the money to be able to lay out the cost to do a spec build that now we'd have to break a record in sale for me to make a profit. And right. yes. it's tough. They, a, lot of, a lot of the spec guys or developers don't necessarily want to roll the dice with it. And I think that that's yeah, what I'm seeing. I did an article about uh, about spec building, and you're looking at an average of 25 months from the time that the um, builder buys the property till he sells it. Yep. So you know, for spec builders now, they're having to guess where the market is going to be in 2023. Yep. Or even 2024. And that's you know, and that's a lot of risk. The thing is, there are lots of custom builders and what's really really hard to find are you know someone buys the house it's not quite what they want and they want to renovate all of those people who do any anything from bathrooms and kitchens to gut renovations uh are just swamped with work they're swamped with work and 
if they're going to buy the house, because those companies are out there, I've had a conversation with some listings that I have off market that people have looked at to say, it, could this be a good reno project for us? They start looking at the price that they would need to put in to get it to the price where they feel their money's coming back because now the asking price, even for a reno house has gone up. So for yeah. example, a house that a couple of years ago, you could maybe trade for two and a half. Now they want three and a half. Well, there's their profit. You know, and has the has the inventory, has the market gone up a million dollars or two million dollars more on a renovated house as opposed to new construction? And for a lot of them, it just becomes too heady, you know, and there's not the yeah. foreclosures and they can pick up and renovate and 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 the buyer doesn't have necessarily the taste or or the ability anymore to buy a house and say, oh, this is what I do for a living. I'm knocking out this, I'm doing this, and because they're swamped with work, especially right. if they're in that trade. You know, yeah, a, a couple of things that, that's interesting is some of our traditional new construction uh, builders are actually looking at uh, major renos and, and gut renos. Yep. Because there's a shorter time frame on it. Yeah. Also, the the buyers that are there want now. Yep. You do have and, and you see this particularly more at the high end people who are looking for bailout houses and and. Greenwich was a big weekend market up until the late 60s. Then it became more of a, when the businesses expanded here, we lost some of that. That's now back. And so those people are looking for big renovations mm. and it's a shorter time frame. Uh, and so the folks who don't know, you know, I don't think anybody knows where this market's going to be in 2023 or 2024. Right. Um, and so they're looking at big renovation projects. Yeah. Yeah. I might have, I might have one coming on that we're going to do a, a, a decent sized renovation on, on a project uh, in uh, South Parkway, but um, we'll stay tuned. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. This is a topic that a lot of people will probably check on and see, Hey, does my house fit into that uh, price range? So what is the hot price ranges? You know, I, I, I wrote an article um, about three weeks ago about, about that. What's, what's really hot? And the horrible thing was everything. I mean, literally <laughs> 100,000 up to 10 million sure. uh, was hot. Okay. There is a little bit of resistance at 10 million. Uh, we're looking at like 18 months of supply, but Three years ago, we were at 96 months yeah, of supply. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. So, I mean, we were talking 10 years of supply. Right. Now we're down to a year and a half. And that's just that's just for that small part of the market over 10 million. Uh, from six and a half to 10 million, we are at five and a half months of supply. Yeah. I mean, and that's just unheard of because that was four month, four years of supply. Right. Uh, you know, kind of the the one of the commonly accepted dividing lines between a buyer and a seller's market is six months of supply. Correct. I actually say it's nine months of supply over 4 million. Uh, but we're well below that. Um, the stuff that is there is, is selling. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of flattening. One of the things I, I do is a graph that shows months of supply with sales, months of supply with contracts, and months of supply uh, if you annualize the previous month's sales. And whenever you see that going down, you've got an accelerating market. 
When you see more months of supply, when you add in contracts, assume it's a month and a half to close, or when you annualize the present month going up, that's a sign that that part of the market is, is slowing. The, we're essentially flat across most of those price ranges from yeah. 600,000 to 10 million. Mm -hmm. um, August does, does show, excuse me, September does show a slower sales uh, from 4 million to 6.5 million. But 6.5 to 10 million, still busy. Now that's just, uh, that has to be due to lower inventory. Yeah. And that and that's exactly well lower inventory and as I, as I said at the higher end you've got upsizers within Greenwich who were perfectly fine with their six thousand square foot house yeah. but now that they need two offices sure and they need a place for the for the kid that doesn't want to go back and live in his apartment in New York City yeah. and they've got two homework areas because because yeah. the kid doesn't want to spend all day in the bedroom mm -hmm. you know you need an extra 1500 square feet and you're actually going to use it it's not like those big empty bedrooms that that sit around um, you know in some of our six bedroom houses with two people living in them let me ask you this if you um, if you have a, a property now in backcountry and you have substantial property, size, lot, it's good house, uh, square footage. Um, is the idea of it North versus South Parkway, nobody really wanted to be in North Parkway, is that starting to go away now with this buyer to where the buyer's like, I don't really care as much if it's North South Parkway, I didn't want size. You know, it, it's interesting. The I did a chart going back um, 20 years looking at the price of houses in mid-country in the two-acre zone versus back-country in the four-acre zone. Yep. And for, of those 20 years, 16 of the years, the prices were about the same. Yeah. There are a certain group of people who want more space and they go with the four acres and it's a little longer commute. There are people who want to be closer to town and they find two acres of land. I mean, that's 87,000 square feet of land. That's right. a lot of land. Yeah. Uh, and they find that's perfectly fine. What we saw was from 2004 to 2008, backcountry took off and we got a bubble because that was for the people who were re building really big houses, yep. many of which some people would call ostentatious. Those houses fell out of favor in the, in the recession. Yep. Um, and now two and four acres are... Um, are similarly priced um, so that the as has happened in 16 of the last 20 years the uh, it's kind of evenly balanced between people who want two and people who want four do you think in the future this group of buyers will start to look at up there uh, in north parkway again and go no nah, i i you know i want it you know that this is better because this is bigger i got more land or do you think that the trend going forward, well, I, oh, I learned the lesson from last time. I'm not going to do that again. I, I like, you know, this buyer, this generation likes the proximity to everything, likes a little bit smaller, a little more conservative on the, on the house size. Actually, I think it's very much the former. Backcountry started to recover, not in the COVID period, but in the third quarter of 2019, mm. because prices had been dropping since 2011. Yep and 2010 and they got to be such a good bargain that um people were saying well look 
for two and a half million, I can get this three bedroom house in Old Greenwich on a quarter of an acre that needs some work, or I can get a pretty nice house on four acres um, that's substantially larger. And we saw people, the other thing we saw is that um, kind of return to the natural progression in Greenwich is people would buy um, either, um, you know, when they had a young child, by the time they got the second or third child, they were looking for bigger houses and more land. Yep. And so that's what happened in the, uh, starting, as I said, in the third quarter of 2019, you saw sales in backcountry go up. Yeah. Um, and COVID just amplified that trend. Yeah. Having said that, it's still a great place to buy because we're still, we still have somewhat depressed prices. So if you're looking for a return on your investment in the next three to five years, looking at the depressed areas, particularly where there are longer commutes, sure. are a great place because now people aren't commuting or they're not commuting much. It's going to be interesting. I, I am very interested to see what happens there because it's a battle of, is it the natural progression to where it's inevitable, the bigger lots, the bigger sizes, the bigger houses win? Or does the trend of buyer where I don't want well, I want closer to town, I don't know, I'm coming mm -hmm. from city, this is just a different world for me, um, win in the next, let's say, five to seven years? Or like you're saying, maybe in the next five to seven years, they, there's a couple of kids that are had and then they get comfortable. Well, I'm okay with well now. And and uh, I lived in Greenwich now. Now right. it's time for me to go, which is you might be right. right. So interesting to yeah, see. My, I think you're exactly right. There, There is this kind of phasing in period. Yeah. We get a lot of people who will either rent for a year or they'll buy yeah. a house that's actually less than they can afford. Right. Uh, just because they want to try it out. Yep. Um, you know, I'm hearing about people who uh, are moving back from Florida uh, because they had to spend a summer in Florida. Yeah. They'd never, they'd yeah, been there like... in the winter. They'd never been there in the yeah, summer. It's hot. <laughs> uh, I literally just talked to a friend um, who um, bought a place in Sarasota. Yep. And he said, oh, you know, it's not that bad. We had a few days in the 90s, but uh, my wife listens to Weeby 108 and, ke and keeps track of the Connecticut weather. And you had some hot days, too. And But he says, by the way, everybody um, in Sarasota told me this was very unusual and it's a much milder summer than they're used to. So it's going to be interesting once these people get, uh, he said, he said what another fellow told me was that it was just one beautiful day after another, which is great for like the first 300 of them. But after that, you you know, you, they might like a little stuff. You want some seasons? I love it. Yeah, love exactly. Seasons, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's super interesting because I, I that bump that we have been showing in all these graphs that happened, I think it was May or June that we're talking about this record. There is a large portion of that that are not, upsizing from Greenwich, they are coming in from outside. And since you have oh, yeah. there's, so there's, many there's still a large part of the market. Look at the look at the school systems are blowing up with the enrollments. It's massive to the point where yeah. you know they have to talk about redistricting certain certain schools. So that's a different trend, different buyer, different likes coming from different places around the country. So home styles are going to change. Things are going to start to change. Trends will change. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what the next five to seven years will be like. My prediction as far as real estate market, it'll be strong because it takes a while for real estate markets to, to shift. And with majority of the market, depending right now on the trend of interest rates, um, that seems to be what everything's kind of relying on. So 
Um, that's my two cents on it. No, I, I, I agree with you on all that. I mean, lower Fairfield County sits in a metropolitan region of 22 million people. Yep. And a lot of those people are now looking for, for space. And um, that whole wolf thing is, is going gonna, is gonna to continue. Yeah. Um, I and I think actually a little bit of this of the slowdown that we're seeing is because people don't know just how. I mean, Jamie Dimon wants you back in in the office at, at yeah. uh, J.P. Morgan five days a week, just like it was before. Yeah. But I think if he starts seeing uh, key employees moving to places that are more flexible, um, you're gonna see, you're gonna see greater flexibility yeah. because we've got. COVID just revealed a technology trend that, that had been happening Correct. for the last five years. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, Zoom really ought to get a medal. It is incredible to me how that technology was right there, ready to go. It was scalable. All of a sudden, you had hundreds of thousands and millions of people doing Zooms that never did before. And that really is, is going to change life as much as the personal computer did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2021 verse 2020 verse 2019. What do you got? Yeah. So basically what happened was, and I think we've gone over a lot of it. Yeah. The 20, 2021, um, was a great first, well, actually first nine months. Uh, we yeah. had a huge peak, um, in July and things have come and come down. But one of the reasons to talk about this, as, as I said, is the whole base issue. You want to be very careful when you're looking at year-over-year -year comparisons because so many of them were so greatly influenced by COVID. So um, one of the things that, uh, we're, that we're seeing more of is year-over-two-year numbers. And I think those make a lot more sense to give you a feeling of where the market is now. Gotcha. Okay. Um, obviously, it doesn't take a you know a brain surgeon to realize that there's a progression. Nineteen is a lot different than twenty twenty. Is a lot different than twenty twenty one. And we've covered a lot of this. I, one thing I I forgot to ask you, and I didn't want to miss it. Back to the high price ranges thing. Just right. once over, uh, going into the beginning of October twenty twenty one, the hottest price point. If you have a house that you're looking and you're and this is in your price range, and you're going to put it on the market feel the most comfortable with a million and a half to two and a half million okay uh that is both the millennial young family buyers and that's the downsizers buyers and that goes you know all the way all the way up to all the way up to three million but you know it's we had a we had a house come on it was essentially a big ranch though it was built in 1925 in one of our in one of our upscale neighborhoods um it um, came on mid twos and was gone by. It came on on um, Tuesday and was gone by Saturday. So they one of the one of the things that we're seeing. In fact, that may be something we want to talk about is is what buyers and sellers can do in this hot market to help themselves. Yep. But the uh, in that situation, the buyer insisted that they cancel the open house. Because uh, yep. the rule in Greenwich is there is no deal until the contract's okay. signed. That's right. So just because you accept an offer at, and uh, at two, and I I had this happen to me both ways this year. Yep. Um, I had I was representing a seller. We had a deal at one four five. Two days later, 
while before they had done the inspection, we got a deal at 155, no inspection. Yeah. Um, so they took that. I had a deal at 2.1 million um, on some land with a developer. Somebody came in and bid 2.2 million, literally two hours after we accepted that offer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important that buyers and sellers, especially buyers, really understand uh, your purchase and sale agreements, your LOIs, your, your agreement paperwork is a lot different here. So making sure you're working with a good broker and a good attorney who can really explain to you how the process works in Greenwich is very, very important. Um, what's the biggest trap price point? Um, under 600,000. Mm. The, the problem, the problem is with the, uh, appreciation, we used to have, you know, a fair number of, a fair number of single family homes under 600,000. Um, right now we just don't have that many because everything's appreciated out of that price range. Uh, and what is there? Yeah. Right now under 600,000, we've got three listings and one contract. Sure. So you can see big percentage changes uh, simply because one more house comes on an inventory or two more sales happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing to note, particularly in our market, because uh, as I said, a good year was 600 sales. When you start looking at sales between a million and a half to two million in Costco, you're probably talking, you know, eight, 10 sales. It doesn't take uh, more than one, two, three sales to make things look drastically different. Right. So really looking at things over the nine months in the year gives you a much better feel of, of how those are going. Having said that, our market changes about every four months. Yep, every quarter. It's, it's a totally different shift there. So, um, and, and, and I would be remiss, remiss not to ask you, um, there are so many single family houses that have been sold this year. The condo market, uh, in 2021 so far going into the end of it. How's that look? You know, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because the condo market, uh, became totally bifurcated last year. Yeah. Uh, we had all the people moving out of apartments in New York city. And the last thing they wanted to do, we don't have a lot of high rises, but we do have a fair number of mid rises, you know, three to five story, uh, places with right. lobbies and elevators. Right. Those, those were dead. Yeah. Um, then, uh, and then the townhouses with separate entrances, uh, those did very well last year. I, I had a, a nice townhouse for uh, 1.1 million, had a lot of interest. Um, those, have, those have held up. This year, all of them are doing well. Yeah. And our median townhouse price is around $700,000, $800,000, whereas our median house price is now about 2.5 million. So for folks that want to live in Greenwich and don't want to spend over a million dollars, condos are, are a great way to go. Yeah. Um, having said that, that market is tight. And I've got right now, I've got three sellers, um, two of which are in contract, one of which, um, well, actually, I know I have four, four sellers who would like to sell, but, and they all want to move to a really nice downtown condo and there aren't any, if anybody knows of any, let me know. Uh, yep. Cause, uh, and those, and a lot of those are going off market just because there's so many people who are going through this whole downsizing yep. trend. I think the trend, the, the two big trends is if you can have a property that can be renovated and it works out, 
you will do very well. So if you have one of those properties, um, single family, and if the the condo market, the townhome market is gonna gonna do very well as COVID starts to subside, I think people feel a little bit more comfortable with it again, and they're looking for entry level into the the great school systems that they can afford to put the certain amount of money down or on, on a property that's two and a half million dollars now, you know, that sort of thing. And that leads to kind of the, the rental market, which it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter where or what price point or what we're talking about. If you have a decent rental of condo, townhouse, single family, big, small, doesn't matter. I don't, I don't really care. You're going to have some interest. There is just so many people that are just like looking to get into the town and just want to dip their feet in or just can't find something. You know, you got the short, short-term rentals that just exploded. Um, what, do you, what do you have to say on the, uh, the rental market? I mean, you know, you're exactly right. I, I ended up um, co-brokering a, um, a $25,000 a month beautiful house uh, that was in Westport. It was on the market for three hours. Yeah. Um, so we had six offers at or above $25,000 in three hours. And that's for a year? Um, that was, that was, that was last year. And that, that was this year. Although that, that was a short, I mean, short the term. Holy grail last year was a short that's term, right. <laughs> beautiful rental last that's right. year. I mean, yeah. we had, we, and what, what cracked me up was we have a fair number of well-to-do people in this area. Yeah. People who would never have considered renting their house. But when somebody told them, look, you spend another two months in Nantucket, uh, and you'll come back with $100,000, all of a sudden we had a big explosion yep. of people putting on drop dead gorgeous houses that rented for anywhere from 20,000, I think the I think I think the record was 65,000, $70,000 for yeah. a 3 month uh, I had a, per month for a 3 month I had rent. a, a $60,000 4 month rental. But you know what yeah. I saw is now that was I saw that huge Big burst was that beginning of 20 is that April, May, June, 2020 rental market was insane because nobody really knew yeah, what that was going. Absolutely. Nobody. Yeah. And then it became they just uh, to get out and get safe. And now a year later, May, June, July, people looking for that rental. I'm saying, no, you understand those people who rented it last year are seeing what happened and they go, why am I renting? I'm going to sell it. And yeah. they all sold it. So even less inventory now on both the rent and the single family sales side, which is even creating well, more. The funny thing is on the short-term rentals, the people who rented last year decided, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to go all the way out to Martha's Vineyard uh, or Maine. I can have a really nice uh, vacation uh, in Greenwich. Right. And so we get, we had a lot, we had a lot, not nearly the demand, but we had a lot of rentals for short-term rentals last year. We had very few this year. And what I was hearing was a lot of those people who rented last year called up the, called up the landlord and said, can we come back in 2021? And the landlord said, sure. Um, the other thing is, just as you were saying, a lot of those were happening in March, April, and May last year. Uh, we had a lot of one-year rentals too. Mm -hmm. And so as those were maturing, yep. those people were looking in February, March, and April. And I bet you a significant portion of what drove that huge jump up in June and July, which I hadn't thought of until you mentioned it, 
was the fact that so many of these one-year leases were expiring and people wanted to stay. So yeah, they, they ended up buying a lot of houses, you know, when their, um, uh, when their leases were expiring. Absolutely. So listings, where did they go? I think we spent 45 minutes here just talking about listings and where they, <laughs> where they went right. in some capacity. So if you've watched any of this, you probably heard about where listings have gone. But I'll let you speak to anything on this topic, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Yeah, so, so basically, you know, shadow inventory, people who are waiting to move have listed and, and sold. There may, be a, there may be a few. There are, actually are a few that are sitting there saying, hey, wait a minute, prices are going up like one and a half percent a month. I'm, I don't need to sell now. I, you know, we may be 70, 72, but let's hold out for another year before we, before we move to Florida. The, um, uh, then, the, then we just have supply and demand. People see prices going up. They may not have intended to sell before, uh, I've got two clients like this who are, who are going, look, you know, with what I can get for my house now, you know, you find me. And, and these also also tend to be off market. Mm -hmm. These folks are saying you find me a buyer, but we've run through a lot of that. And it's really you have the normal slowdown of um, listings in fall. And now you've got um, uh, you've got good demand. So stuff is cycling on and off quickly. Um, but we're also seeing a significant drop when you when you look at, at listings overall. We had great great listings May June even into July, and then come August it really stopped and hasn't picked up a little bit for the fall market, but not nearly what what we need. Yeah. So. Timing wise, I mean, we like to do these podcasts you know, I'd like to do this how's the market show with you once a month, you know, to kind of recap the month, how it was, how it was going so we can have updated data and everything like that. And I think the people will love it. Um, if you're on the fence right now, it's October, it's, it's October going into November, getting towards the end, going into the last quarter of 2021, you're on the fence about selling. Uh, I know it all depends on specifics where you know where you're going to go what price point everything like that but um how are you feeling about the market going into the end of the quarter i mean if you've got a house and you're willing to price it to market i don't care what price range it is uh at least below 10 million dollars um you can there's a very very good chance you can get a sale in the next six weeks uh, we've got a big issue traditionally. You didn't see that last year, though, um, in COVID. But normally, the market drops off the third week of, of November. Uh, once, the, once the holidays the season comes, we have a slow period from uh, uh, the week before Thanksgiving until the end of January. And so what you need, if, you, if you're looking to sell, and you want a good price, the best, the best way to price a house is right at uh, what you think it's going to sell for. Because if you underprice it, you'll get multiple offers. The other thing is we've got about five, six weeks left. So you don't want to be left with a, uh, with a house over the winter where the people are 
are going to feel that you, you know, that, that you're more motivated to sell Yeah. that, you know, I've got a couple people where it's tough. Do you put it on now? Uh, I've got, you know, one fellow who said, Oh, the price has been going up. Let's put it on an aspirational price. We're talking $450,000 above market price on a $3 million house. And I'm going, don't do it. You know, it's just going to sit there. Um, because much of what we have out there, half of the 260 listings have been on for a long time. Um, and you need to, if you price it at market, you'll get a sale. Most likely if you don't price it at market, then you're not, you know, you got six weeks to sell it and then you're into, um, the winter and you're not really going to see a lot of buyers traditionally. And with this market, uh, who knows? Certainly we do have buyers in October. Will we have in November, December, and January? I think we're going to be better, but not great. Yeah. It's all about your product too. I said a lot of people, um, if you have the one of a kind, most unique, cool, different product that we cannot comp, and there is really a idea of a market, but you are something very special, then be a little bit above what the regular market would be because you are one of a kind type thing. Otherwise than that, this is a very, very easy market. There is a buyer for your property at this price point. If you want a quick multiple offer, you go a little bit below, just like you said, but this is very easy to do. But it's also very hard for a seller sometime who's emotionally attached to it and think, well, you spent, let's say if they listen to this podcast, you spent an hour telling me about how great and hot this market was. So I have the greatest thing in the world. So I expect $450,000 over. And if I put it for $450,000 over the list price, you know, maybe they'll lowball me. And I try to explain to people, people will be offering you money to buy the house, not to lose it. This is, this is an opportunity yeah. for you to sell it. If you push your number up too high, you do get left into the group of people that, you know, it's tough to yeah. market a property in the winter. <laughs> Yeah, there's a ton of information out there on the internet. Yep. People really focus on price per square foot. But here, it's almost guaranteed that the buyer is going to have a good broker. And the good broker is going to tell them, look, this price, in fact, I, I just I just did that with, with an agent yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday. And yesterday, they let me know that they talked to, the, they talked to their owner and they're dropping the price $250,000 which becomes very interesting to my client. Yeah. So, you know, if you're high, it's, it's, it's not going to help you. Yeah. This is a great time for the great brokers who would listen to a podcast like this, who communicate, who work together. Um, you know, we're, a we're lucky we're at a great company where we do have a lot of that, but other agents who work for other companies who have been very successful, this is a great time for us to all be successful by educating our client, both on the buyers and seller side. And, um, just doing an even better job more than we've ever had before uh, because so many more people now are asking how is the market and really paying attention. So Mark, I want to wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for coming on. We have given the audience a ton to take in and they'll, uh, I'm sure they'll be emailing and questioning if they have any more questions. So we're going to leave this uh, in the description as well, but where can people email you, check out your stuff and get a hold of you? Yeah, you can uh, email me at mark.pruner at compass.com and you can call me at 203-969-7900. Uh, if you're a texter, that's 203-817-2871. 
and check out my latest reports at GreenwichStreets.com. Yes, go to GreenwichStreets.com. It is uh, a wealth of knowledge and information. It will never let you down. And uh, we'll always leave some more information on the bottom of these uh, on these shows and these podcasts. Uh, and like always, uh, till next time, everybody, Michael Ferraro, Leaders of Lifestyle, Agent Podcast, LLA, Compass. Mark, thank you so much for being on again. Thank and you. Until next time. Take care. Uh, 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 uh,